Yeah. All right. Hey, thank you again for our wonderful worship team from William Jessup. We are so grateful to have them here with us today, and they've actually done all three services. They came in last night, so they didn't have to crack out too early. They, we put them up last night, and then um, all three services, and then they're also going to head over and play for junior high. No one get up and leave. They can't, it's just junior high only and staff. You can join staff another week. But uh, they played high school second service, and so they're doing like five things because, hey, they're young and they have lots of energy and lots of gifts. We're so grateful for them. It's been, it's been wonderful having them as part. We have this wonderful and growing relationship with William Jessup University, and we're, we're so glad to have them here and, and be a part. They fit in so well, and we're, it was such an excellence. Well, today we are taking another step in our Renew series by taking a fresh look at the concept um, of significant impact. Impact, and I think it's true for all of us, we want to make an impact with our lives. Now, I jumped the gun, it's real early, usually I'm five minutes into my talk before you get a chance to write a word down, it's now. So if you have an outline and you want to follow along, you can do it, pull it out, and, and fill in the blanks, take some notes if you'd like to, verses are printed there and such. But this is your first chance, because as a starting off point, we all want to make an impact with our lives. We, we want our lives to make a difference, as long as we're here, right? Now, later today, many of us will be watching the biggest American football game of the year. Clarify, right? The Super Bowl. You knew that was today, right? You're on board for that. Any, uh, any Broncos fans here today? A woo. Any of those other guys? Seahawks? I, I didn't mean to say that in a negative way. Just the other team, the Seahawks, yeah. And... Uh, we're going on. Now, I know this is true, regardless of how you feel about the individual teams. I know this is to be true that every single player on both teams wants more than anything to make a significant impact on the game today. And the bigger the impact, the better, right? I mean, just in terms of the significance of that. Now, um, not just to impact the game for themselves, you know, prove I'm a great player or make a name for myself or something, but to make an impact for their team so that they can actually win right so that they can win that's what it's all about and 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 then they can put that huge ring on their finger and wear it around you know because it's supposed to weigh like pounds right through the process you know they then go down in history as super bowl champions and they are making an impact now for us if we want to make a lasting significant impact in life we need to look to see how god wants to use us to play the game how does God want us to play the game? You know, understand whose team that I'm on, get to know the playbook, and get to know the coach. It's pretty important. Now, as we get started today, I want to make it clear that today's talk is true for those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ. Now, there are probably some people here today that have not yet done that. You've thought about it. Maybe some have never thought about it. But you haven't actually given your life to Jesus. You wouldn't call yourself a follower of Jesus at this point. And that's totally fine. We're glad that you're here. Uh, We want you to listen and be a part of today's service, but I just want to make sure it's clear that what I'm talking about in terms of God's call, God's benefits, God's blessings are given to those who are in his family. So that's available for any one of us at any moment of any day. You can join that family. But I just want to make sure it's clear that you understand we're talking about followers of Jesus. You can kind of listen in on it and see if that's something you want to be a part of or not. But this week, we'll be looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 11 to 21. So if you have your Bible, you can crack open to there. We're going to camp out right there in those verses, pull it apart, and uh, we'll have the verses on the screens as well as there in your program. But if you have your Bible, sometimes it's kind of cool there. You can make little notes or underline as you go. 
We're talking about having maximum impact for God and his kingdom. You see, by ourselves, uh, we aren't going to have any lasting impact, are, the, are we? Really, to have lasting impact, just like an individual player on a team, his impact is going to come by affecting the team. We want to be on God's team and be a part of that. And so we want to think, how can I have at maximum impact for God and his kingdom? Well, first of all, it starts with this. To have that maximum impact, we need to realize how much God loves me. Realize how much God loves me. It's very basic, but it's right where it starts. It's this foundation that we have to lay. Now, many of us live large portions of our lives, I'm convinced, scared to death of what other people think of us. You know, what does that person think of me? But, but perhaps bigger than that, we're scared to death of what God thinks of us. You see, we can put on masks, you know, and pretend to be something we're not for other people, and we can sometimes fool them, can't we? You know, oh, they thought this and that. But God can see us for who we really are 24-7. And no amount of cover-up and no mask-wearing or deception is going to fool God in the least, right? You see, since God knows us so well, only he knows me so deeply. And he knows how sometimes, how black my heart is. And and how flat-out evil I sometimes feel. I can't play games with a God who knows and sees all. And it kind of just strips me bare, you know, makes me feel vulnerable. There is nothing I can do to hide from God. Does that ever fit for you at all? Do you sometimes find yourselves kind of worrying about what God thinks of you? Now, sure, you can go to church and, and, and you hear from the pastor up front tell you that God loves you, you know, just the way you are, and it sounds great. Only that pastor doesn't know your struggles, doesn't know your sin areas, your past. He doesn't know the things that seem to hold you down, maybe even the areas of shame that you carry every second of every day. Or maybe there's this little voice in your head that tells you that you are different and not in a good way, that you are not deserving of his love, that, that, that you are the exception. You know, the Bible's not talking about people like you when it says that God loves everyone. And that voice kind of keeps talking and talking and the wheel keeps spinning. But you see, here's the deal with that. If you believe those negative condemning thoughts, then you're just believing a lie you're believing a big lie and because that is not what God thinks of you. Listen, no matter what you think of yourself, that is not what God thinks of you. Okay, and you need to know that. This is right where it starts today. God loves you more than you love yourself. Absolutely. But if I think that God is looking at me with disappointment or with some sort of disapproval, you know, if I think he's shaking his head, you know, wishing that I was a better person, not again, John, you know then I'm not going to believe that I can be a valuable player on his team. Right? I'm not, I don't even deserve to be on his team, I might think. And, and then I won't have any impact on the world for God, let alone maximum impact. Right? If I really don't deserve to be loved, I don't even to be on, deserve to be on the team, I'm going to go sit in the stands. That's not how God sees things, not at all. My ability to have maximum impact for God and his kingdom starts with my belief that he loves me tremendously and he chooses me to be on his team he chooses that not just to sit on the bench now i want to read two verses that talk about the amazing expression of god's love for you out of second corinthians 5 uh, we'll look at 18 and verse 21 says these two things verse 18 starts by saying and all of this is a gift from god and we'll talk about what that gift is the gift from god who brought us back to himself through christ Restore this relationship. And and uh, verse 21 says something similar. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, 
so that we could be made right with God through Christ. There's this amazing thing that happens. God loves each one of us so much that, that listen, he sees our sin. No hiding, right? We talked about it. He sees our sin, and he sees how far our sin separates us from him. It's way apart. But instead of giving up on us, you know, and kind of throwing in the towel, and I'm going to find someone or something else to love, you know, he chooses instead to make the ultimate sacrifice to take care of our guilt and our sin and our shame. He sends his son, Jesus God in the form of man to come live this perfect life here on earth. And then Jesus willingly gives up his life. He dies for us and raises from the dead so that we can be forgiven and that we can have a restored eternal relationship with God. This is big time love. It's his huge love. And I think sometimes if you've heard that once, cool. If you've heard it 10 times, maybe some of us have heard it thousands of times. And you go, yeah, right. I know Jesus lived and died for me and rose again. Okay, wait, stop. What? Do you understand the enormity of that love that's there. Because I got to tell you, I have um, five children and four of them are sons myself. And I've thought about this off and on. I have four sons. And as much as I love some of you, I wouldn't give up the light of any one of my sons, the life of any one of my sons, you know, even though I have four of them. Some of you might say, well, come on, John, you have four. You could spare one. It ain't going to happen. It just wouldn't happen. In a life or just situation, I'm just being up front with you here just so you know what to expect if it happens. If I have the option to save one of my sons or you, I would pray for you. (laughs) But I'd save my son. You know, (laughs) true confessions. And you know what? So would you. Wouldn't you? In in your own case, with your own children, it would happen. But so, so for me, when I start thinking, it just blows my mind that God willingly sends his one and his only son to come to earth and to die willingly so we could have the chance to live and experience this love intimately and eternally. That's an amazing amount of love. And, and he did all of that before any one of us could claim to love him. It wasn't like, well, let me see if you love me enough to do this. You know what? There's no way. It's no way. There's no love claim there. God simply says, I'm going to do that. It's going to be there. We will never understand how much he loves us. It doesn't make sense, and we don't deserve it. Listen, God just chooses to love us. Get over it, okay? It's just the way that it is, and you just have to believe it. But you see, this belief is a huge thing. It's where it starts. It lays this foundation to say, if I'm going to have a maximum impact for God, I got to start by understanding that I'm on his team. He loves me and says, come on because you can't do it. You didn't know who you are. I just love you. And I did trade my son for you, his life for yours. Well, second then, on a foundational point, to have maximum impact for God in his kingdom, I need to recognize that I'm made new in Jesus. I recognize that I'm made new in Jesus. Now, if the first point was awesome, and it was, the second point just adds to the awesomeness, so to speak. Now, God not only loves me enough to send his son Jesus to die for me, but when I believe in Jesus, I give my life to Jesus and open myself to him, I receive that gift, I'm made new. I am made new, I am remade, I am reborn. 2 Corinthians 5.17 uh, says this, it says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ, someone who's given their life to Jesus, has become a new person. A new person, the old life is gone, and a new life has begun. Something stopped, something else started that's all brand new, not partly new, just not slightly remade, but new. This means that as Jesus comes into my life, I don't just get to start over the same game, you know what I mean? I wasn't going so well, the game of life. Let me, I get to go right back to the start, and I get to try again this time, and hopefully it'll be better, you know? It isn't that way. It's not just a new start in the same game. It's a whole new game. 
And it's one that you're guaranteed to win. You are guaranteed to win, unlike the first game that we've been playing, right? Now, this trading the old for the new, it's, it's not like you kind of had an old, you know, used Kia that's fallen apart and you're going to bring your keys in and hand them to God and he's going to hand you the keys to a shiny new, you know, BMW or Mercedes or something like that. You're like, ooh, big upgrade. You know, that sounds pretty good. It does sound pretty good, but it's not even like that. It's more like trading in that same old Kia and getting the keys to like the Starship Enterprise. <laughs> and you kind of know how you kind of went, what? Exactly. It's a What? Hold on, I'm now not just trying to drive to the corner, am I? <laughs> it's a whole new game. It's a whole, new, a whole new world that I'm in. In fact, it's better than the Starship Enterprise. You know, it's a whole fleet of starships and probably even more. It's a game changer. It's a whole new thing that's been created for you. Jesus loves me and he makes me new. So, so now I'm able to make a huge impact. You know, I don't, I don't have the baggage from the past weighing me down and I'm not doomed to repeat that same cycle of destruction that just kind of keeps going from my past. He says, that's old. This is new. This is new. If you're a follower of Jesus, right now I want you to say out loud, say this, I am made new. Say it. I am made new. And, and now say it like you mean it. I am made new. I am made new. You guys, this is, this is significance because let me ask you this. In the past, when you're trying to make a significant impact, how is that going for you? So, so kind of the old self, or even as a follower of Jesus, the attempts on your own to do this, uh, not going. So well, hold on, hold on. Jesus says, understand the love that you're on the team. Understand that you're made new and that you can make a difference. You're an impact player because I've made you that way. I've made you that way. You're made new. Well, third, to have maximum impact for God and his kingdom, I need to embrace my new purpose. Okay, he's given me his love. He's, he's, he's made me new, and then he's given me a new purpose. We need to embrace that, okay? We need to embrace that. And uh, he, he not only forgives me and frees me from sin, he makes me new. And then this third point kind of launches us into this whole new world because when I've been made new by this limitless love of God, I'm given this new purpose. See, he didn't just forgive me in Jesus and then make me new so I could sit here and look pretty. Right? Some of you are going, obviously. He did it with an eye on what we can become and what we can do with our new form. He made it practical and purposeful. He's given us new purpose. And as we embrace this new purpose, that's how we're going to be able to have maximum impact for God and his kingdom. Again, he's called us onto his team, and now he's given us the playbook. Be a playmaker. Add maximum impact. impact. Let's dive into it. Now, to fully understand what this new purpose is all about, we need to realize that as a follower of Jesus, I am an active ambassador for Jesus I'm an active ambassador for Jesus. This is kind of where it begins. I I want to pause for a moment and consider what that means. An ambassador, what is that? An ambassador is a representative for someone who's more important than the ambassador himself or herself, right? This is an ambassador is a single person who represents something much greater than him or herself, right? Now, this ambassador isn't supposed to set and make policy, are they? They're not supposed to do that. He's simply supposed to accurately represent the thoughts and the values of their country or their leader, Now, it's an important position, but not by itself, right? Because if you're representing something or someone and they kind of pull out and say no more authority, uh, you know what? It's, It's a waste of time, you know? With no backing or authority, the ambassador is nothing by themselves. But we're talking about ambassador, but I didn't have you write the word ambassador down, did I? What word did I have you write down and highlight? What's it say? Active. And that's a word I want to emphasize here because we said that we're an active ambassador for Jesus, and that's significant 
Because I think, when, at least for me, when I think of international ambassadors today, I kind of get this picture um, uh, of this person who is kind of a figurehead. You know, they're kind of just there, and they go to banquets, and they smile a lot, and they try to be peaceful and very gracious and, you know, all that sort of stuff. And I'm not really sure what they're doing and how much power they have, but there they are, you know. And, uh, and maybe that's not bad, but they don't seem to have a lot of power. And that's not a bad picture, but it's a picture, of, in a sense, a passive ambassador. And that's not what God asks us. Jesus wants more from us in that. Jesus says, be my ambassador, but don't just stay home and take it easy. Don't just go to work, the ambassador spot. Don't just sit back and go to the parties and throw parties and smile and do all that. I want you to be out there making a difference. Be active because I've given you a job, an important job. And what is that job? We need to realize in terms of a job that his purpose becomes my purpose. I'm not just an ambassador that sits out there on my own. See, Jesus doesn't send you uh, as an ambassador to some distant, tiny, insignificant country way over there to kind of while away the days and weeks and months and years making a tiny impact, you know, with a very small purpose. That's not what it is. He tells us clearly, my purpose is now your purpose. You need to be representing me to the world by taking on my purpose proactively. And how big was Jesus' purpose? Do you remember? Pretty big, huh? Huge is what it is. So, so he's given us his purpose, and, he, and it's a clear purpose for us. It has two basic parts to it. And so to represent Jesus, the two parts of this is simply this. And I'm going to ask you to memorize this, but it's going to be really easy. The first part is this. Show Jesus to the world. You can write down show there in your outline. Show Jesus to the world. Okay, that's pretty simple. This purpose is all about the way we live our lives. And once you finish show, you can look up at me because I'm going to actually have you say that because this is part one of our purpose as a follower of Jesus. Say it after me. Show Jesus to the world. You go. Show Jesus to the world. Right. We're called to show Jesus to the world. That's our purpose here. And again, the way we live our lives. You see, the world needs to see Jesus in us so clearly that they can't help but notice that we're different. You know, they, 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 they just can't help it. Now, Ron read this verse earlier in the service, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 15, if you're in the passage. It says this. It said, he, Jesus, died for everyone so that those who receive this new life, his new life, will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we're supposed to show Jesus to the world by living for Jesus. And, and how do we do that? Well, we show Jesus to the world by not living for ourselves. Because isn't, what that, isn't that what the world usually does? is live for themselves most of the time. Most of the world does that. In fact, that's going to be your biggest temptation and mine too. Every moment of every day, I kind of get tempted with, I want to live for me. Don't I get a break? Don't I get a moment to live for me? You know, and it kind of becomes that. But, uh, but we show Jesus to the world by not living for ourselves. When we inconvenience ourselves in order to help somebody else, that shows Jesus to the world. When we help someone who just can't help themselves, we show Jesus to the world when we slow down and drive the speed limit consistently, especially when we have a Jesus fish or a TCC bumper sticker on the back of our vehicle, that shows Jesus to the world, doesn't it? When we serve with a cheerful heart, when we give a ride to a friend somewhere, even when it's not on our way, even maybe way out of our way and no gas reimbursement money coming, when we forgive and then give that difficult person who's offended us a second chance and and a third chance, and then a fourth chance. That's showing Jesus to the world. Here's an awesome motivating verse from 1 Peter that I want to throw into the mix, the only one outside of 2 Corinthians 5. Let me read it for you. It says this in 1 Peter 2. It says, but you as a follower of Jesus, you're not like that, for you're a 
You're a chosen people, chosen by God. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. He's got you wrapped up. And as a result of all those things, well, you can, what's it say? Show others. You can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. He took you from here, dark, put you into light, and says, now just show people what I've done. Isn't that cool? That's what I ask you to do. It's right there. Because you were chosen, loved, and owned by God, you simply show it by living differently from the world. Now, the second part of my clear purpose that I inherit from Jesus is to represent Jesus. I need to not just show Jesus to the world, but I also need to share Jesus with the world. See, I told you it'd be easy to memorize. Show Jesus to the world and then share Jesus to the world, right? All you have to remember is those two SHs. So as soon as you finish, look up at me and we're going to try this together. Here we go. We're going to say the share statement. Here we go. Share Jesus with the world. See, you've already got it. Show Jesus to the world. Share Jesus with the world. That's the two parts of the purpose that he's given us, okay? Now, an ambassador needs to live with the values of the one he represents, Right? But an ambassador also must speak. In fact, that's a huge role for a representative. What you say is huge. And so it's true for us as followers of Jesus too. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says this. It says, so we are Christ's ambassadors. Oh, wait, there it is. We are Christ's ambassadors. I didn't make it up. God is making his appeal through us. We, what's it say? I'm sorry, what's it say? We speak. speak. Okay, some of you are, some of you aren't. I know some of you are kind of going, if I say it, do I have to do it? And your eyes get big. We, but no, he's making his appeal through us. So we, we have to do, we have to speak for Christ. And then it's not just kind of speaking, but it even says here, when we plead, oh, please come back to God. He loves you so much. He wants that relationship. You say that. God is making his appeal through us verbally. And we speak for Christ. We talk to people for him because 2,000 years ago, Jesus left the earth in his resurrected bodily form. But before he left, he told his followers, he said, hey, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit down to you to give you wisdom and boldness and power and clarity, all the things that you need so that you can show me and so that you can speak and you can share me. So you can tell the whole world about Jesus. This good news of forgiveness and new life and eternal life in Jesus, that's our purpose because that was his purpose. Now, I want to hit on a few practical issues that this Bible passage brings out as we look at this idea of showing and sharing the love of Jesus with, with others. Well, I'll just zip through these at the end of your outline. There's some key practical issues. First of all, we are empowered to do this by Jesus' love, not our own efforts. Okay, Jesus' love is where the power comes from. And so 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14, just the first few words, and we're going to stop. It's short and sweet. Here it goes. Either way, Christ's love controls us. What controls us? Christ's love controls us. It's right there. And so I want to remind you that we're showing and sharing what? The love of Jesus, how much he loves us and what he's done. But this is important to understand. We're not doing it because the reach pastor at Twin Cities, me, stood up front one Sunday and gave you a big exhortational talk to do it. You know, he either either kind of felt kind of guilty, so I did it. Or I got so pepped up, it was a good pep-up talk. Oh, ready, go, ready, break, let's do it, you know? It's not what it is. What moves you to action, to action, is the huge love that Jesus pours into you and over you and overflows in you that just desires to fill you and control you so that life is everything that God plans it to be. And it's really out of gratitude for what he's done for you, for you that you can stand up and say, 
I can show and share Jesus in a new way this week because I've been taught this morning or reminded how much Jesus loves me and how privileged I am to have his love and his power inside of me. I'm not sure I can do it, but I can let him do this through me. I think I can. Second practical issue, we have to both show and share. And write and in capital letters if you're not too late, if you've not already written it. We talked about showing, we talked about sharing, but there's this little word in between that I wrote in capitals. Because we need to both show and share, and that's what we're called to do. And this may be hard for some of us to hear, but God asks us and empowers us to do both. Now, it's important to know anything God asks you to do, he's going to empower you to do it, right? God asked me to do that, and your eyes get big. Yeah, but I'm going to give you everything you need to do that, okay? Uh, Some of us like to focus on the live like Jesus part, you know, the show Jesus to the world, but we don't think we're eloquent enough to really talk to others about Jesus. I don't have all the answers. I get tongue-tied, you know, and, you know, we figure our good deeds will be enough to lead people to Jesus and for some of us, it's, it's easy to fall into the, the trap that says, well, I don't speak so good, you know, and we kind of convince ourselves that our words are going to get so jumbled that we're going to do more harm than good. You know, I'll be, you know, Jesus will be better off if I keep my mouth closed, you know. And it really sounds a whole lot like the excuse that Moses tries to make to God in the book of Exodus, huh? Where God says, Moses, I have an amazing plan for you, and I'm calling you to lead my people, and here's this huge plan of Moses. Uh, I don't speak so good. You couldn't possibly use someone like me. Like God didn't know that, right? Kind of sounds like that a little bit, you know? It's what Moses said, but it is not what Jesus says, okay? If that starts to come out of you, he's given us the Holy Spirit so we can speak, even if it terrifies the, terrifies the daylights out of us, right? In fact, if you're nervous out of your wits, it just gives the Holy Spirit more room to minister out of your weakness, right? In fact, if you have less to say, but you engage tongue and the Holy Spirit, great. That's God speaking through you. And he promises to do that. He promises to do that. Now, for some others of you, the problem works the other way around for some of us. Some of us are quick to speak to people of Jesus or spiritual things or whatever, but, but we don't focus enough on showing Jesus to others through a transformed life. And this is a problem, too. I see people who speak very grandly of Jesus in church and the Christian life, but who don't show the changed life that Jesus promises? That's a problem. Gandhi uh, pointed it out when he said, and this is a quote, by the way, you go on Google or any search engine and start, just hit Gandhi quote, and it's going to fill in for you about Christianity. This is a famous quote. If you haven't heard, it's going to break your heart. Spiritual Gandhi said, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. End of quote. So make you go, hmm. I see Gandhi, this, this spiritual man who looks at Jesus and goes, hmm. And then he looks at those of us who follow Jesus, who claim to be like Jesus, and he goes, hmm. Something's wrong here. And, and, and that's exactly what he says. And that's the problem. Third practical issue. We need to both show and share, but third, we need to take this seriously and we need to act on it. We need to take it seriously, and we need to act on it. This impact series we're doing on Sunday, it's full of things that are the absolute essentials of walking closely with Jesus, and and this impact topic could be at the head of the list of most important things. You know, we started out 2014 saying, what are the things we want to start the new year with to be able to say, hey, church, this is like what God says. This is the non-negotiables. These are the important things. And this impact concept could be right there at the top. 
we can't afford to listen today, have the Holy Spirit kind of stir up our hearts a little bit, but then go home and do, any, do nothing about it. Well, we can't do that. In, in 2 Corinthians 5, it's very clear about that. In verse 11, it begins this way. It says, because we understand our, ooh, boy, hang on. What's it say? Because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord. Does that sound serious? Well, I'm like, it says that? Fearful responsibility. We, what does it say? We work hard to persuade others. Fearful responsibility, work hard. This sounds like, I wonder if God's serious. Do you think? I think so. I think it's pretty clear. This fearful responsibility, God is serious, and we work hard to persuade others, not just kind of occasionally say something that will maybe motivate someone a little bit in the right direction. Oh, man, this is like, it means that we pray about this and we strategize with the Holy Spirit and we get to work on it. We pray on it some more and we say, who can you reach and how? And How can I show Jesus and how can I share Jesus? God, at the right time in the right place. But Lord, this is a fearful responsibility that God has handed to us that we, can, that we get to work hard at. Yeah, I can see how that works. And I can't help but see that there's an urgency issue here, Right? This responsibility is here and now, and we need to get right to it today even, if we can. What, on the same day as a Super Bowl? <laughs> yeah, because maybe before or during or after the Super Bowl, there will be a chance today for you to, in a different and a remade new way, show or share Jesus to somebody in your world. If you're open to it, I think that opportunity may be there. Are you open to it? Could you say, God, let's do this, because the time's now, not tomorrow. Let's do it now and tomorrow, too, because God's love doesn't stop. Maybe my job doesn't stop and my purpose, right? Well, our fourth and final practical issue is be willing to do whatever it takes. Be willing to do whatever it takes. Now, I, I love this. This is me. I, I'm a little quirky in my sense of humor. The Apostle Paul, who wrote these verses we're reading, was a man who was willing to do, listen to this, he was willing to do almost anything short of sin to get someone to see and to hear about Jesus Christ. Anything short of sin, I'm going to do it. Whatever it takes, he would say. You know, are you, willing to stick, are you willing to stick your neck out like that? I mean, Paul says, Paul says basically, I may come across as crazy because of my passion and my zeal, but, but if being crazy brings glory to God, if it brings attention to, and people to Jesus, and go ahead and call me crazy. I'm the crazy guy. I think I made it up. Verse 13. <laughs> if it seems we are crazy... <laughs> It's to bring glory to God. This is all wrapped up in these verses. And he's saying, this is how important it is. And you know, if it, sometimes someone goes, you're kind of crazy. If somehow that glorifies God, awesome. Now, crazy for crazy's sake, something different, okay? Because I saw some of your wives nudging your husbands and stuff. So okay, just being crazy by, for craziness is, but cra- if, if that's what it takes, I'm going to do whatever it takes. As he goes on to say, and if we're in our right minds and it's logical and it's, it, it, it's for your benefit, he says, I'm going to do what I need to do to do God's purpose, even if it isn't you know, always logical or easy and all those sorts of things. So be willing to be uncomfortable, to be stretched, to do something that you wouldn't normally do or say in order to bring glory to God and to benefit others. You know, there are lots of local opportunities to do what we've talked about today. It's in your workplace, in your neighborhood, it's in your family even. And, and then here at church, our community ministries and our community partners, there's lots of chances to be out there showing and sharing the love of Jesus. And my prayer is that you would respond to the Holy Spirit's, Spirit's promptings here at home today as we kind of wrap this up. But at Twin Cities here, we're also offering you an opportunity to go on a missions project to Mexico over spring break to both show and share Jesus. And it will most likely be out of your comfort zone. 
and uh, it may very likely be inconvenient, as you may think of more than 100 better ways to spend your Easter break, right, if you get one of those things. But maybe, just maybe, Mexico is exactly where God is leading you for six days in the middle of April. Perhaps as a way of, of acting on today's words. I mean, maybe it's a way of, of cementing in your own heart the ideas that have been stirred up today. You, if, if that's something that makes any bit of sense, you can head out to the reach table in the lobby uh, and get some information about it. But please know that the time is now. This team is formed, but we're forming it. In the next couple of weeks, it's going to be firmed up. And so maybe now is the time for you to say, that doesn't sound comfortable, but maybe, maybe this is what God's calling me to. And it wouldn't be just to that, but maybe that's a step that God is stirring you towards now. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for loving me and for loving us. That's where it starts, Father, this amazing love that you give us, that you shower upon us, that overwhelms us. Thank you that as I've asked Jesus into my heart, Lord, you've made me new so that I'm on your team and I'm given the playbook and, and, and now you're calling us to have a maximum impact, to adopt your purpose, which is showing and sharing Jesus both and your love and doing it in as many ways as we can, God, with love. Lord, prompt us in that direction, not on our own strength, but because of your love and grace. And Father, I pray that if there's anybody here this morning that has not given their lives to Jesus, they've not asked for forgiveness, Lord, that they would do that now. They would see the huge benefits of being in your loving family and being made new and having a, a real and lasting eternal purpose in their lives. And if that's you here today, it's as simple as opening your heart to Jesus, saying you believe in him, truly believing in him, asking for his forgiveness for all the ways you've, you've sinned, as the Bible calls it, you've made those mistakes, live for yourself, and ask him to lead your life. And it happens just like that. You're made new, and you're given that new purpose. Lord, we celebrate that purpose, and we celebrate you today in Jesus' name. Amen.